0: Welcome to the Run From The Norm podcast, where we dive into the profound impact of individuality, self-expression, and authenticity within the running community. I'm your host, Jake Reynolds, and today I'm joined by my good friend, successful real estate agent, accomplished ultra runner, and all-around outdoor enthusiast, Graham McKenzie. Join us as we explore not only the physical and mental benefits that come from a lifetime of seeking adventure and self-understanding, but also the unique journey of an individual who breaks free from the ordinary and truly runs from the norm.
1: People believe in you. You just need to borrow their belief in you long enough so that you believe in yourself.
0: Graham McKenzie, thanks for taking the time to to you know chat with me here and I really want to just start out with what this thing's all about um and we talked a little bit about on our run mm-hmm. earlier um, before we're doing this um authenticity uh, um it's we've talked about it at great length over the years and I'm kind of curious what does authenticity mean to you and how do you incorporate
1: authenticity in your day-to-day that's a great question and uh thanks for having me on yeah this is yeah. awesome thank you for doing um, this it's funny, you know, as we talked about on the run, that that word has popped up quite often recently, mm-hmm. right? You know, I was talking with someone at work and authenticity and where it's gone. You know, I think to me, authenticity, it means being real, right? Saying what's on your mind in as kind a way as possible, right? Like sometimes you do have to filter your thoughts, but being real with people and respecting people enough to be real. And it, it's so tough right now that... that with social media and the platforms out there and look at me, look at me, everyone's, you know, life is a highlight, Mm -hmm. right? And to actually tell it like it is or um, be open with someone uh, can be tough. So it, it is, it's that, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's on my mind, taking responsibility for your mistakes, admitting when you're wrong, just right. Just laying and, it all out there.
0: So how do you do that? Because kind of to your point, every, you know the thing online right now is brand yourself, is everything is a personal brand. And I was right. watching something, might have even been earlier today, and they're talking about the first trillion dollar company will be a personal brand company rather than a traditional corporation. Right. So with that in mind, and considering that we're making an effort to be social influencers of sorts with the things that we do, so how do you maintain that line between still... Promoting the things that are important to you and pushing that authenticity, but still filtering yourself in a way that you don't overstep.
1: Well, I think you don't
0: offend. Yeah,
1: I think it comes from having respect for people, right, and um, really wanting what's best for them. And and so there's always the textbook answer that everybody wants, and then there's the real answer. And being open to saying, "Hey, you know what? This is a mistake I've made, and so be it." Right? And I, what I've learned from it, the way it shows up for me a lot of times is there's someone having in my life that I, you know, respect and care about, and they're doing dumb stuff. Pull them aside and say, "Hey, man, you're 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 screwing up here. Do something. I love you. You know, let's let's fix this. I'm here for you. But if you're acting like a victim a year from now, then we got to." separate ways right and i think to me that's what it is um
0: and what drives that because um again on our run we were talking about uh, in your professional career you're a real estate agent but you spend a lot of your time coaching new agents yeah so where did the desire come not only to work with others but where did it come from within you that drove you to
1: deep dive into this For me, it was looking back over my life and realizing that, you know, there were some mistakes I made, nothing, nothing tragic, nothing, you know, horrible, just uh, um, things that had I known or learned earlier in life could have set me up for uh, things later in life. And so particularly with the 20 year olds and people coming up, just wanting them not to make the same mistakes that I made Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that in this world we think that everybody's got their crap together like it it appears that way and we don't and one of the things i've learned over the years is that you pull it back the curtain on anybody's life they've got a challenge they've got a struggle they've got some demon in their closet right and wanting for me these youngsters it's not even youngsters anybody to realize that hey we're none of us is perfect um you know People believe in you. You just need to borrow their belief in you long enough so that you believe in yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think. But it's also we have this tendency. It seems like to me to to um, almost celebrate victimhood. I don't know if you would call it that, but you know, all oh, my life's horrible. This sucks. That sucks. Everybody hates me. And at some point, it's like, what part are you playing? And for me, that. Calling people out on that and just or at least having the conversations like what part did you play in that is important, right? They might hate me for it or they might think I'm an ass for it. But at the end of the day, I don't want anyone to ever doubt where they stand with me. Sure. I'm either your friend or I'm not your friend or I think you're an asshole, you know. And, and if if you are, it's like good, you know, like work on it, Right.
0: Which, you know, I guess comes back to the whole thing of authenticity is, you know, how do you live your life in a way that you can still be true to who you are? And, to, you know, again, without offending somebody, I don't want to say call somebody out, but it kind of goes back to almost the social media thing is it's it's almost like everybody's desperate for attention. And some of the ways that people choose to get attention is, we'll say, playing the part of the victim. Right. And so say somebody comes, you know, I don't know if you get this when in your coaching side of things. You know, how would you coach somebody through that if if somebody is you're trying to work with somebody and a lot of what they're doing is positioning themselves you know what you'd say is kind of a victim mentality. How would you coach somebody through that? A lot of it's
1: questions. I think there's this misconception with the term coaching is it, it sometimes gets confused with consulting, right? Mm-hmm. Like if someone comes and can in, can you make and, the distinction? Yeah. So someone will come in and say they want to learn something about real estate. A lot of times, what they're looking for is consulting, which is tell me what to do, Mm. right? Coaching is asking them questions to help them discover for themselves, to make them go inside and start thinking about what's going on. So if someone comes in and says, like, right now, you know, the real estate market sucks, well, does it, right? You know, and it's like, okay, what has to happen for you to um, think it doesn't suck? You know, what can you control, right? And then they start realizing that maybe where they are isn't market-based. It's like, oh, I haven't been putting in the actions. I haven't controlled what I can. I haven't made the contacts, reached out to the people. I haven't built the relationships. Even that, like a lot of times, it's like, well, my friends and family, they won't refer to me. Mm. It's like, well, how did you earn that? Earning the trust. Right? And building yeah. the trust. Like, did you earn
0: that? I mean, are they right? Should they? If you're diving into that, do you have a set of questions that you'll normally lean on when to to start that that discovery process, or does it really de- depend on the
1: individual? It it really depends on where it's going, right? When you're talk when in a conversation like what we're doing now, and is um, your next question is in the answer to your first question, right? Mm-hmm. So you can talk about how's your day. Someone says good, okay, good. What's good about it, right? And then they tell you that. And they say, okay, how does that feel, right? Like you want to, if, if it's a good thing, you want them to sit in that and really focus on that. If it's a bad thing, they say, you know what? My day's horrible. Okay, tell me more about that, right? And, they, and then there's usually something in there and they say, well, you know what? My dog ate my homework or whatever it is. And say, so, okay, how did that come about, right? And get them to say, okay, well, do you want to stay focused on that? Or what would have to happen for you to have a good day from here on out?
0: And then once you go through and you get, get through that discovery process, do you send them with specific tasks or things that you would ask them to do or how do they start working through that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the accountability part. There's always got to be like a next step. Okay, so what's the next step? Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you willing to commit to, right? You know, One of them is biggest thing is in coaching, it's rarely about the what or the how. I mean, we all know what we're supposed to do. Health-wise, we're supposed to eat right. We're supposed to exercise, but um, people just don't do it. And so accountability and getting leverage on someone is, is important. So it's more about the why.
0: If you are working with somebody and you find that there's maybe some more personal issues that are influencing their ability to professionally perform, yep. how do you address that?
1: We go down that road... Um, and we, we figure it out, right? Um, and you have to have enough rapport and, and permission to go down those roads, right? Like I think that anything in, in life really comes down to mindset. And mm-hmm. so you got to get that straight. Um, and if it's something that obviously needs a professional involved, you talk about that, but you help them discover. But it's amazing once you go down that road and start asking questions, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what, You know, they know what they need to do, but... Uh, I'm not afraid to go there if if they need to go there because if your business I say your business grows to the extent that you do mm-hmm. so your business can't grow if you've got problems in your personal life if it's a relationship issue or kid issue i just help them self discover that maybe they you know there's something that they need to do and take care of at the same time we can't let them dwell on that Right. Right, Because bill collectors keep showing up. Right. You can't tell the bill collectors, you know, my daughter or my son or, you know, my wife, give me a little bit of time. Yeah. Give me some time. (laughs) So it's like, okay, you know, how can we move forward? Um, And the biggest thing is I'd like to go back to the why because I think that is the most important thing. Like, why are you doing this? When someone tells me, hey, I want to get into real estate, okay, what's causing you to want to get into real estate? Right. And if they tell me, classic example is everyone says they want to make a million bucks, mm-hmm. right? Or a 100,000 or whatever it is.
0: And everything on the internet tells you real estate, that's where it's at. And do it in three easy steps.
1: Absolutely. And it is. It's simple. It's not easy. You don't want to ever get out of working in life or suffering. But it's like, what I find is most people want to spend a million bucks. They don't want to earn a million that's bucks. That's a great point. Right? And yeah. so it's like, okay, what happens if you don't? And I say, well can you get by in 500,000? Okay, yeah. I can get I can get, yeah, absolutely. 500,000. Awesome. Okay. 250? Yep. 100? Yep. 70 No, I can't. Uh, you know, my bills are this. So I know that they're going to make somewhere between 75 and 100,000 next year. Unless they have a a compelling reason to make more than that, they're going to make exactly what they need. Yeah. And so part of coaching is leveraging like, okay, what could you do with that extra money or what would you do? And if we can get clear on, they're like, well, gosh, this would allow me to buy investment properties or whatever it is. You know, it's the same with health. What happens if you don't get healthy?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They'll say something, I'll say, what else? What else? Well, the fact of the matter is they're going to die if they don't take care of their health. How are your kids going to feel about that when they grow up fatherless? Right. They're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Well, you should, right? But here's the great thing. What happens when you do take care of your health a year from now? What happens if you follow through? They're like, man, I have self-esteem, I have all this energy, I can play with my kids, you know, we can do things, my business is going to improve because, you know, I have all this energy, I'm sleeping better, right? What got you so passionate about health and diet? Well, so I came at it a different way than most people. Um, I've never been really overweight. I've never really struggled with my weight. I've had a ridiculous sweet tooth like like. I, sh- I should be type two diabetic and in the grave and five hundred pounds. What's your, what's your favorite candy? I love the gummy stuff, like <laughs> PTO, Swedish yeah. Fish, jelly beans. Easter's horrible for me because they got all the good sweet tart jelly beans and nerd jelly beans mm-hmm. and all this stuff, but. I'm a Sour Patch person. Yeah, Sour, sour Patch. Sour Patch kids. With yeah. Swedish Anything fish. sour. Yeah. Like, yep. you get two Sour Patch and one Swedish fish. It's the greatest mix.
0: Oh, see, and I don't even wait for that. I just get a handful and <laughs> shove them all in my <laughs> mouth. I'm not even enjoying the specific flavors. It's just one gob of sour. <laughs> you should, uh,
1: My I uh, came up one year with a uh, Cadbury egg omelet. You know, Easter, oh, you my got God. The Cadbury eggs, you melt them, throw some jelly beans and peeps in there. So That'd it's be awesome. like my dad. Every morning
0: was an everything omelet. Just right.
1: Whatever was in the kitchen, right. and uh, I'm going to have
0: to find some chocolate or some Cadbury and throw yeah. it. Uh, and give it a try. It's freaking awesome.
1: Well, so when I got into running, um, the health thing was interesting. My friend, Dr. Cavo, Charlie I played soccer with him, grew up in high school when he saw I was running a lot, he was like, you know what, Mac, you need to train your body to burn fat for fuel, get off the carbs. And I'm like, no way, man. Okay. So you
0: learned that at an early age. Okay. I wasn't sure if this was something that also came later in life. No, this was later in life. No. So he was a
1: high school buddy, but this was in 2016, 15, 15 or 16 is when he brought it up to me. Okay. Okay. And, uh, his story is interesting. Awesome guy. And, uh, he was in the OBGYN and then ended up in the weight loss and metabolic health field because it was really frustrating for him that losing a lot of weight could actually bring fertility back and help heal a lot of things that were he was seeing in his patients. Interesting. Um, so anyways, he's telling me, hey, Mac, you know what? Get off the carbs, change your life. I'm like, no way, because for me pizza three or four nights a week pasta carb loading a gel every half hour on my runs mm-hmm. you know I was so addicted to sugar I didn't realize that time I thought that's what it was I was like no I can't I can't function and uh, it took him two years to convince me really I think it was 16 or 17 that I actually said all right Charlie here's the deal I'll give you six weeks and for six weeks I went cold, cold turkey it was brutal right At the first week was horrible um, and what made you decide to do it? I just wanted to see if it was true. And then I started reading, you know, and I think that's one of the... I would encourage people to pay attention to the commonalities that happen. That word authenticity we talked about, it's interesting. It's come up quite a few times. So it's like, it's okay, pay attention, right? right? Now, yeah. Um, and then I think, I mean, keto wasn't really big back then, you um, it was his movie, The Magic Pill, that came out. That I actually watched that as well, and I was like, "Okay, that was his movie." It wasn't his movie. His wife, uh, Michelle Cavo, is a practitioner in it, and his practice pounds medical weight loss. Anyways, so I was like, "All right, I'll give it a go." I'm I'm sore all the time, and and uh, I'll give it a go. So I did it six weeks, and I and I really tried to prove him wrong. I ate like obscene amounts of fat, protein, when I was hungry. I you know I would kind of in hindsight dirty keto but i ate just lots and lots of fat i'll be right? totally
0: honest because i remember seeing when you were starting to deep dive into it right. and tiff and i we would chat about it too and i was like you know is grandma they're eating like sticks of butter what yeah. the- <laughs> what the <laughs> hell
1: is he doing here because well,
0: yeah. i don't i don't really understand the full keto thing i just you know the first thing i see is you know what you see online is it's yeah. you know sticks of butter and all the fat and all this stuff and so he you goes, know, "Grandma, right. having a stick of butter for breakfast yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so well there's some nuance to it because when you know it, it's not supposed to be a calorie deficit diet okay. right i mean i i think you can we can go down a rabbit hole with calories in calories out which which does apply to a certain extent but um, when you're an ultra runner and you're running doing 20 30 mile long runs you need the calories mm-hmm. i mean you got to get them and so it's like you can only eat so many steaks or fatty meats or cheese and so it's like you gotta get that dense calories in
0: so you don't do carbs even on your long runs in either
1: no really no in fact i went on this six weeks it changed my life Really, i lost 31 pounds in six weeks that i didn't really know i had to lose i leaned up i got ripped i uh I felt amazing. Really? I felt superhuman. I started PR and races. I set five years ago, and I was what? Like, dang, I was fifty.
0: Really? Right. And, so and I'm for pe- the, for people that don't know you, how tall are you?
1: Six uh, And how much do you weigh? Would you say right now? Right now I'm one eighty. Okay. But when so I go, I mean you're lean. Yeah. And last two years haven't been awesome. So you know I put on a little bit of the fat, and and uh, but. I was like race day, race weight. I was 162, 163. Holy smokes. Yeah.
0: So when you're eating like that, do you fluctuate through the seasons in? Because when it gets colder, a lot of times people put on more weight. Do you still do that on keto or is it easier to manage your weight that way?
1: Um, I think that wintertime, I think there's a lot of biological effects that that do happen I try not to and I still do right like it's harder to get out and run and then when you don't run you know it's like okay you get a little comfort food stuff like that um I think it's okay and and good to slip in and out of ketosis but th- the textbook answer like this the authenticity it's like oh I never do that I'm perfect it's like no no I'm not and sugar in any form is bad for you, whether it's high glycemic carbs or um, oatmeal, whatever it is, it's kind of a toxin. And I'm not saying don't do any of these things. That's up to you. Everything's a personal choice, right? But like, if you know something's bad for you, why would you take small doses of poison? I think that's a hard thing is, is like, logically, we know these things, but then
0: putting it into practice is such a more complicated thing to do. Absolutely. You know, like even the running thing, you know, people that are out of shape, that need to get some movement into their lives. You know these things that you need to be doing. So what do you do? What's the practice for you to make sure that you're incorporating these things, and it's not just stuck in your head, but you're taking the action.
1: Comes down to the why again. Like what am I doing this for? Right. The problem with health is it's never a problem till it's a problem, and then mm-hmm. it's something that you almost can't reverse. Right, like I saw saying the other day, it's you, I've got 99 problems and none of them matter if my health is one. And, and so, um, the damage that's done from our diets and our lifestyle doesn't show up until we're 60 or 70, and, and it's really too late by then.
0: So, would you say with running is running something that you do more as a as a way to control to control that, or is it something that you do more for the enjoyment of it? It's it's the
1: enjoyment of it. Um, I enjoy what running does for me in terms of, yes, I feel better. And it's more about getting out in nature and, you know, and and um, getting away from people. And, and, you know, I've got kind of a uh, that ADHD mind. For me, running is more of a mental thing. And it's the only time that my mind is calm, like completely calm.
0: Yeah, I Like agree.
1: I'll count my steps when I'm running and it's just like, and I'll look up and... Half the time when I see people out there running, you know, it takes me a while to recognize who they are if they're friends because I'm just You're in, in my head. Yeah. So, And then also it helps me think. Like if I have a problem that I can't really spend the time thinking on or come to a solution on or get resolution on, if I go running, it just... You find clarity. It's just like, oh, look at this, and I think my best then.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. No, I'm right there with you. And actually, like with this whole podcast thing, this is kind of my exercise to streamline my thought process because I struggle with that same thing as I'm all over the place doing a thousand things at once. And that's kind of where running is my magic too, is it's, it's the, the only thing I have found that really slows things down enough to where I can actually collect my thoughts into a fairly clear and cohesive way to work through problems, right. um, to just simplify to actually... Push myself to take actions, and rather than just being stuck in analysis paralysis, which I tend to do you know, right. quite a lot. Right. Right. But uh,
1: yeah, it sounds like kind of the same thing for you. How long into a run does it take you to realize like you haven't really thought about anything substantial?
0: It's a great question. I think it it varies run to run. Usually, the first mile I think for everybody sucks. You know, yeah. your your breathing's ragged. Yeah. Um, you're trying to fi- you know find your pace. Right. Um, but usually after two or three miles. I would say I start to settle in. Yeah. Um. The thing that's interesting though when you expand that out to the ultras is I actually don't settle in until about mile 50 or 60. Right. The first 20 or 30, you know, you're know, you kind of in it and having a good time. 30 to 50, 40 to 50, 60, somewhere in there, it sucks right. and uh, it just, I'm starting to bonk pretty heavy but then when, once I start pushing through that and I hit about mile 50 or 60, that's when it's like I really am just locked into present, in the moment. Yeah. Everything is falling away. I don't have to actively push it out of my head. Right. Um, But for the shorter runs, it's tough. I think it's because a lot of times it seems like we're just trying to squeeze them in wherever we can throughout the day, you know, because we're all busy and we're trying to do so many things at one time because that ADHD brain. Yep. Um, And so a lot of times I'll try to squeeze them in on a lunch and it's and it's hard because if you only have a short period of time, it's almost like the harder you try, the harder it is to get lost in
1: it. Yeah, I think I think that's why people tend towards trail running because there's an excuse in trail running not to be tied to the clock and it's you Mm -hmm. just go run you know the road runners marathoners the uh triathletes and neither one's right or wrong but man they just pay attention to pace and for me once i found i could run long distances like like i mean we all can like once i kind of learned that and started running then I wanted to be a race and then faster. And then every run had a purpose and and it was like, and then all of a sudden I started hating running. Yeah. And then when you throw that all out and it's like, look, if I can get 50 miles in this week or 30 miles in this week, great. It's I don't great care week. if they're fast or slow. Mm-hmm. Some days I go out and tend to do a fast run. And for whatever reason, I'm like walking half of it. Yeah. And then other days I go out, which is also why I don't run with others a lot because I don't know what, my, what I'm going to,
0: Where that day,
1: right? And the and 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 so like I might go out thinking it's gonna be slow and get a little pep in my step and and get after it. The other thing about running for me is I tend to run alone because I'm on point all day long. Yeah. Talking to people, you know, having to pay attention and so like having to engage. Yeah. And and so Mm -hmm. when I'm out running, the last thing, well, one, I'm slow as heck, right? And so people and we're talking and I'm out of breath. I'm like, dude, you can
0: talk, but I can't answer. <laughs> I'm not to <gonna> respond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm barely alive here. But yeah, and it's also just time for me not to have to be on point or engage. And yeah. So that's what I love about it. I do want to go back to the keto though, if we can. Yeah, because, absolutely. Because yeah. I think this is important because if I tell someone I'm a in ketosis or I'm passionate about the, the keto lifestyle, or it's, it's not even a keto. It's more of a primal lifestyle, um, low carb, high fat Like the first thing you get is you don't need to lose weight. You know, Mm -hmm. you're so skinny, you can't lose weight. Right. And they almost skinny shame you for one. And it's like, for me, it was, it's almost never about weight loss when it's me personally, it's how good I feel Mm -hmm. when I'm eating right and, and not even exercising a lot. That's the other thing is that think about that. I was running all those miles and I still had 31 extra pounds. Right, so you change your diet and you lose the weight. So what does that tell you? Is it is it your diet or is it the exercise? I would argue it's mostly diet, right? Like, you most people don't want to run off of Snickers. That's a couple hundred calories or three hundred calories. I really like Snickers. Well, I know, but you run a lot, right? But yeah. most people aren't willing to go out and run for an hour just to have a Snickers for right. you know a thirty second Snicker fix. Right. So, um, That's a great point. But what happened was I ended up. I was like, this is fascinating, right? And and I lost all this weight. I feel amazing doing exactly what they tell me I'm not supposed to do and mm-hmm. stay away from. And so, you know, I just... My lifestyle and my personality is... Anything worth doing is worth overdoing.
0: A hundred percent. Right? So, and it's almost like you 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 like the fun of experimenting to, to, yeah. to
1: see what things will do
0: and see how your body and your mind will both react to the different things you try. Because yeah. I do the same thing. We were talking earlier. I haven't had coffee, caffeinated coffee in a month and a half. And right. I'm somebody who loves my coffee. Right. And so what I do is I'll, I call them new month resolutions where for 30 days I'll try something different to see how it affects my body. And yep. then it's tough because as you're saying, and I 100% agree with you, you start figuring out something that works for you and you're having a positive result, you get people that are so set in their 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 ways when they haven't even seen the other side of it and they haven't been willing to even try the other side of it where they want to shame you for that. My brain's going 1,000 miles an hour the way it is, and then I take away the caffeine and it actually smooths me out and I still get the taste of coffee. And like what you're saying is you start figuring out something in the way you're – how you're fueling
1: your body. Right and you're getting a positive result, and people are like,
0: well, why would you do
1: that? Right, right. <laughs> well, and then I, I need to defend myself, but I also, I'm curious. I'm like, how did, to? how did this go? Well, I think there's that whole thing we can talk about is when you change and make changes in your world, those around you, mm. you know, not because they don't love you, but because they love you, they want you to come back to them because they don't want you to get hurt. Yes. Or oftentimes the opposite is, that means that they're going to have to face their reality.
0: Oh, that's a great point. Right? It's uh-huh. like,
1: oh, if he changes, then I have to admit that, and and he gets better and improves, I have to admit that maybe I'm not being the best that that's I can be also. That's a great point. As is, is yeah. you're doing that, it's almost like you're
0: unintentionally feeding them guilt.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, gosh, if Jake can do it. I can do it, but... I don't really want to take personal responsibility, so let's bring Jake your, down. Yeah,
0: that's a, right? yeah,
1: and you're not comparing yourself to the same point that somebody else is, and I, that's a great point. That's why I'm really careful. Like, like I'll shout about how much I believe in taking care of your metabolic health, right? Like through reduction in carbs and making sure you're getting healthy fats. And I can't want it more than them. Mm-hmm. Like my coaching people, if they come in and I know that they're capable of, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand in income, if they don't believe it, there's nothing I can do. I can't want it more than them. I'm here if they have questions. I'm here if, you know, to help as many people as I can because I believe it. I believe there's good science in it. And if they don't want to change, I, I still you love can't them. Force them to. Right. Yeah. Just don't force me not to change. Yeah. right and and i think it comes from different things i think the tough thing about health and why everyone wants pharmacology or or pharmaceuticals rather the and, quick fix and different things is because they have to admit that they're personally responsible for where they are mm. right in their health their health is one of the things that we have 100% control of now there's some genetics to it you know but even those it's a recipe your genes you know, epigenetics is something I'm studying now is basically, you know, which genes are, are turning on and off. You've got the ingredients for the perfect human body. Your habits determine how those are going to be put together and what sort of cake you're going to get, mm. right? And so when I say that though, 100% responsible, is it harder for some people to lose weight, harder for some people to get in shape? Yes, not as hard as they would think, and they can still do it. They just don't want to admit that it's in their control. They'd like to blame something else or they don't want to take the easy route out. I'm going to take a pill. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So, But with the keto thing, I started diving into it and it was blown away by the research and sort of the, the myths that we have going on in this world that maybe weren't true. And as people started seeing the changes in me they started seeking out help and i just say, Hey, this is what I do. You should do it. And then part of me being a coach, you know, when someone comes to me and they have the grit and the passion, like, I'm going to do what I can. like, I love helping people. Mm -hmm. Right. I really, I get passionate about it. Um, and then they started seeing like ridiculous results. You know, we've got a great friend. Um, I don't think he would mind me sharing his story. Um, but, we st- he was one of the first people that I ended up helping out and talking about that. And he ended up losing, I think it was 52 pounds in 10 months. He lost a lot of weight early on. And again, another ultra runner. He's kept it off for over five years now. The guy looks amazing. He's what? He's older than both of us. He's going to be doing several ultras next year. Oh, he still runs like right? a goat. That, that makes me happy. Like, like joy, true joy. It's like, oh my gosh, what are the impacts of that on his family or his life, you know, his relationship. So that's when I became really, I guess, fanatical or passionate about, read everything, experimented, you know, geeked out with ketone monitors, all that stuff. And part of it was because everyone wanted to tell me I was wrong. This is bullshit, you know, and it's like I had to learn to defend myself yeah. and defend my position. And I also had to help others defend their position. So how
0: would you how would you counter somebody that says, well, look, you know, because I've been I've been reading a lot um, lately about people that have gone and, and ran with like Ethiopian runners and Kenyan right. runners, the marathon runners. Right. So how would you counter somebody that says, well, what about people like this that are performing at, you know, world record levels and the majority of their diet is carbohydrate?
1: Right. I think in those situations during the runs, they are in ketosis a lot. Like those people are typically pretty metabolically healthy meaning we're supposed to burn fat and glycogen you know sugars we're just supposed to burn primarily um fat as our fuel right fat ketones the thing about carbohydrates is it's a limited source okay for most of us we've got about two two and a half hours of carbs in our system or glycogen in our system i'll just use it interchangeably Um, most of us can't get done with a marathon in three hours so we've got to have some uptake they can they can burn primarily on carbs but they're also a lot of the studies show that they're burning fat at a pretty high rate as well that's why they're so lean okay but people will say well carbs are necessary right you got to have carbs to survive
0: yeah, because we've always heard that you know before a big race or whatever you carb load, so yeah.
1: you eat pizza or you eat pasta. Yep. And I think you have to restore for for intense activity. That's kind of, like the way I look at it is your liver glycogen, your glycogen stores are like the nitrous oxide of a gas engine. Let's call it right. You you put that in there and it just tears off. But if you if that's all you're burning through your engine, that's probably not a good thing. It's going to wear out pretty quick, right? It was designed to burn this primary primary fuel. And so um, the glycogen or the, the carbs, that, that's there for really intense needs, which those marathoners are, right? They're, they're booking it. You, you need that in emergencies, but the, the, the nuance, the difference is you never have to eat another carb in your life and you can function perfectly well. Hmm. Your body can create it through a process called gluconeogenesis as needed. If we had to have carbs to survive, we would have died out as humans a long, long time ago because food was scarce, right? And you've got about 24 hours without a lot of activity that you would burn through your glycogen stores and you should die, right? But you don't. And so, but what happens is if you don't have protein or fat, you will die. Those are absolutely essential to have, but carbs can be made through amino not carbs, but glycogen through amino acids and uh, even some fatty acids. So, what's your day look like then with what what you would normally eat? So, for me, it's as I get older, it's mostly animal proteins. Um, you know, like fatty meats, fatty chicken. Um, I lather it up with butter or ghee, stuff like that. You know, I try not to have too many vegetables, just because I don't like them and I, I'm not convinced they're necessary, right? And that's a whole different I was gonna say, argument. So what would that
0: conversation be like with somebody who's a vegetarian or vegan? Yeah, you know, that, that's.
1: I just try not to because it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's kind of like politics, Republican, conservative. There's just, you know, if it, I, I'm not going to tell someone that they shouldn't be a vegetarian if they're getting good results for mm-hmm. it, right? And I think that's kind of the interesting thing is that I don't care what you do, right? Just don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong.
0: That's a good right, point. like mm-hmm. I'm
1: getting good results. If you want the results that I have, I can tell you how I did it. Um, you know, there's a lot of research out there about like how fiber is not necessary. Um, that as a race, as humans, if you look at shows like. Um, alone or these survival shows no one survives unless they get meat and fat the problem with the world now is you have to dig so deep and be willing to put in the effort to find the information right right like what's true what's not true they say this there's you know studies here and there but to me based on the results that i get doing the research that i've done the experience of learning Foraging, because I spend a lot of time in the wild, and I, you know, I like. And I wanted to get yeah. into that.
0: It, you know, we 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 can get there, but I want to talk to you about that because I know you're a very avid fisherman. Yeah, uh, and, and and I don't know how far you go into the hunting side of things too, but I, you know, I know that fishing is a huge yeah. component of your life. And I, didn't you have a store at one point? Yeah,
1: I I still am, and it have been a licensed fly fishing guide since the '90s, so oh, wow. 25 plus years, and um, that's just my love of nature. And w- but when you go out in the wild, though. I've read all the books so that, you know, I can forage out there in the wild. And with almost without failed all the wild plants and keep in mind what we call vegetables now didn't exist hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. They just they're they're just so genetically modified now. But if you look at those books, like almost all of them say Limited quantities, otherwise you're going to shit yourself or you're going to get heartburn or you're going to die, <laughs> you know, guides. right? Eat right? too much broccoli yeah. in your right. mouth. <laughs> but all those plants in the wild, it's true. And and there's it's because plants do have a lot of toxins. You know, the theory is they can't run away like an animal or they can't bite you, claw you, beat you. So they've got these toxins to protect them so that you don't eat too much of them because if you ate them all, then...
0: See, so, and you know, I'm guilty of that because uh, I'll eat a salad, and I'll fill the bowl with spinach, right? And you know, and then I'll throw my my toppings on top, and right. You know, meat, eggs, tomatoes dressing all that stuff but I'll eat this big bowl right. and I'll be miserable for the next day or two cuz right. my insides are just ah.
1: trash. Yeah, they you know and it's like people like to say that red meat rots in your gut, but ask anyone with a colostomy bag like what screws up their bag more than anything is the fiber in the veggies, right? The meat just goes right through and gets fully dissolved. Plus, there's nothing you can't get from meat that vegetables can give you. The reverse isn't true the protein and the types of vitamins that are in meats are the ones that we can use our, our body can use like vitamin D there's i believe it's D2 in veggies that our body doesn't use at a high level D3 in meat is really what we want vitamin B12 stuff like that do you but take supplements too no nothing no my goal in in life is not to take supplements i do take some exogenous ketones once in a while i kind of like that um but if you look at that and if you had to survive in the wild, there's no way you can forage yourself and stay physically strong. I can't imagine a tribe of Native Americans living off of just veggies. They couldn't, right? Yeah. Now, the cool thing is and the human resilience is they learned how to sort of detoxify them, you know, but they were more like survival foods. If they could, they would get buffalo, you know, they get wild game. Eat meat. So Yeah. So, anyways, that's just sort of my take on it. But if someone comes to me and they want to change their health and they want to eat veggies, awesome. If 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 it's good for them, and and my only caveat, if you're doing a ketogenic diet and you're going to eat veggies, you know the lower carb ones, and use it as a vehicle to get fat. Lather them in butter. Lather them in olive oil. Hmm. So yeah,
0: be interesting to get like have you on one side, a vegan on one side, and somebody that's you know all about the carbs on the other, and. and- yeah. Just, I don't know, be a fly on the wall in this conversation. I think,
1: you know, there's been a lot of stuff out there, like Paul Saladino does a really good job. Um, Sean Baker, you know, these guys are, are actually one that I'm really geeking out on now is uh, Anthony Chafee. And he's a uh, physician and he he went to all meat, which again is 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 really a ketogenic diet. No, I mean, he's in ketosis probably 90% of the time. Um, his rugby playing and training just went off the charts when he cut out the carbs. Really? Yeah, he's a beast. So Did you
0: follow Liver King at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. We don't <laughs> talk about Liver King. Don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. You know, it, it's he. I love his principle, and I love the message. I just think he made the some, delivery was in. He the, he made some the, bad choices, and again, you know, it's like transparency so, and honesty. Yeah, yeah. Well, so authenticity. Yeah. Right? right. Like if he had just been authentic, you know, just maybe say, hey, it wouldn't I'm doing be there. I'm this on
0: the side, <clears throat> and this is what the results I'm getting. Yeah. But yeah. No, yeah, no, that's
1: you know, it, it's also. I don't blame. I will tell you, one of the things that I don't do that I, I you know, want to do almost is uh, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. Right. So many people I know my age are on it. Well, I'll be fifty six in a couple of weeks. My testosterone is still within normal ranges, right? It's not what you know I was maybe when I was twenty, but I just my goal is until I maximize my health through natural means, through the food I eat and the exercise. Like I don't want to do that stuff, and I know that I'm not on a consistent basis maximizing my health i still go out and eat a dozen or two dozen crispy cream donuts in an hour sometimes right <laughs> like it uh, yeah down. it's you traded
0: pizza right, for donuts right <laughs> yeah
1: it's just and it, it you, no, nobody's I,
0: perfect and i think that's the ebb and flow of it all is is it's hard to be 100 100 of the time yeah and that's one of the things i struggle with sometimes too is it's you're doing this thing and say you're you're trying to be consistent with it and you fall off the wagon and you and you feel that you know oh god everything's just a complete mess but it That's the ebb and flow, you know. Sometimes you're not quite as focused as you could be, and then you find that find your way back.
1: But here's something that I just thought of that I think's really important, and I would like for your audience to get out there. Is what do they call that? I can't eat one donut. If I eat one, I eat two dozen. That's Mm -hmm. an addiction, Mm -hmm. right? I fortunately alcohol has never been a struggle for me. You know, I drink from time to time. I'm not shaming anyone for drinking or whatever it is. But my understanding is, you know, alcoholics can't have one beer. You know, they don't have that stop. And I have a pretty addictive personality, so I do too. Actually, kind of surprising, I didn't. Candy was obviously, but I am one hundred percent. And many people out there are addicted to sugar. Yeah, right. And so, one of the things that pisses me off—it's in everything. It's in everything. But here's the challenge, and people. Don't give food addiction enough credit. And it breaks my heart. And it also breaks my heart when I see these people that are doing what they think they're supposed to be doing and they're getting fatter and they're not getting healthy and and they've been lied to. So that's kind of why I've gone down the road I have. But if you want to quit drinking or quit drugs, you cannot drink or do drugs. But you always have to eat, right? You can't just not eat. The other thing is, is, is... Sugar or food is sort of socially acceptable because you have to eat, but I can't tell you how many times people tell me in moderation, I'll just eat sugar in moderation. Can't do it. I can't. I'm an addict. Like, would you tell a heroin addict, you know, just do it in moderation. Yeah. Just no, drink great, in moderation, right? So it, it absolutely pisses me off when people say that. It's like they, they can't, like I can't. I wish I could and keto... And that's the way it goes. When I'm on keto, like the cravings go away. It's crazy. Interesting. Yeah, it goes away after a while because your body stops relying on glucose. It's like it just, I got body fat. It becomes fat. your new normal. It becomes your new normal. But man, I go off the wagon, you know, so to speak. And and like I just, that's the way I am. I can't eat one Krispy Kreme. Mm. And, and fortunately, I've been able to handle it. But talk to me 20 years from now, did I do enough damage between zero and 50 that... It's gonna catch up to me. I don't know.
0: So let me ask you a question on that. What's your relationship to
1: change? I'm not afraid of change, right? Like that's my personality. Is um, I like a good challenge. You know, um, the the, the chat the challenge that I do have is that I. I Get hyper focused. Mm -hmm. So like I do too. You know, it's like, okay, I want to do it.
0: B. If you do it, you're a thousand miles an hour and you're all in. Yeah. And then A
1: goes away. So it's when it's changed it's like I burn the ship. Like the ship I'm on gets burned. (laughs) I go to this other one. So for me, um Do you feel like sometimes you lose your baseline? Yeah, all the time. I think the cool thing about uh being a father though is that couple things one you can't run from your problems you can't skip town right you right. got to be there you got to do that you gotta you've got to start to grow up but I mean we talked about fly fishing you know I was a f- again a fanatic of fly fishing that's why I moved to Idaho what and, got you into it um, as a kid my dad and I went fishing a lot and I really enjoyed fishing. But I was always getting yelled at for checking, you know, to see if my worm was still on, right? I was <laughs> really, because like, I'm ADHD, right? I was fat. Really like catching a fish. I got to see if my worm's right? still there. Right. And then I'm also competitive. And my dad tells the story, funnily enough, and I didn't realize it, but I was banned from the local fishing derby for two years because, really? because it was apparently I was just catching the crap out of them. And, and they're like, hey, you know, maybe don't bring Graham this year. Really? Like, yeah. Interesting. So I don't know if that's true or not, but, um, and so it was something that I was good at. And and, and people say you have natural ability. And this is the one thing that, that cracks me up. I don't know that anyone has natural ability. I know that when people say, dude, you, you just gifted, you took up running. It's like, no, I poured my heart in it. Like, Everything besides work, you know, went away and I was a runner. Yeah. They don't see the countless hours. When you're passionate about something, you put effort into it. You think, how can I do this better? How can I spend more time? You learn. Yeah, it's the classic, I think, talent is overrated. There's a book out there, 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. I can put 10,000 hours in quicker than, you know, I mean, I know it's 10,000 hours, but some people want to do that over 10 years. A I'm a like, how focused. do I do it this first year, right? <laughs> yeah. I want to do it two years. Yeah. And so... I'm also what I call an 80 percenter. I can get uh, in the top 20 percent of anything I put my mind to quicker than most people.
0: Mm.
1: It's just once I hit that level of sort of mastery and eight out of 10, I really don't want to put in the effort to gain that extra little edge. So when you do that and you you start to
0: master something, do you stay involved and focused on that or do you find that once you hit that point and you're into something for a while and you're kind of finding some mastery that you almost lose the the joy of it and decide to switch to something else uh, that's uh, that's the biggest struggle i find myself the same way i go in these like i don't know two and three year cycles right. I'm really really into something then it's like okay it goes back to change i want a new challenge so on to the next but it's funny with running is running is the one thing that has stayed constant and i've embraced it throughout my entire life just uh-huh. because as we've talked about, there's just something about it where everything falls away.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you you get addicted to it, you know, the, the, there's a little bit of dopamine rush just from getting out there. There's, you know, all kinds of endorphins and stuff. And, um, in my world, I found it's the same thing. Like, I don't really like running. I just like not running less.
0: Yeah. Right. And so it
1: happens. And, and, I remember when I started running, the only reason I started running is someone bet me a keg they could beat me at Roby Creek. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we are sitting around, we were watching UFC, and I think it was the weekend before registration or whatever, and I would say, oh, I've always wanted to do that. And he goes, come on, let's do it. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And then all of a sudden, he had talked to Lisa, who's my, my former wife. She bet him, bet him you can beat him. I'll, I'll take it. And so he said, grandma bet you I can beat you at Roby Creek. And I was like, what are we betting? He goes, keg. And I'm like, I'm in. Right. <clears throat> and you had how
0: much time to prepare?
1: I had like, I don't know what, eight, 10 weeks. Oh, right. Never. I've been an athlete my whole life. Right. Like lacrosse, hockey, soccer growing up, you know, and You're an you know, kid. yeah, active kid. Um, anyways, ended up doing it, <clears throat> ran the race, trained again. I, you know, I went out, I just, Went out, started running. I'd run until I was winded, then I walk, and I keep running, then I walk, and I, you know, and, and that's how I ran all of Roby Creek. My first thing, I didn't right, like I was just, I just gut, you know, and then I quit. And a friend of mine had called me and said, "Hey, we got a spot in Hood to Coast." He said, "I see you're a runner." I was like, "No, I quit." Said, what do you mean you quit? I said, "I just wanted my keg, and that was it." <laughs> so for like a month, I didn't run, and then I missed it, so I started running start running then you know it's like hearing about guys like you running 50 100 miles i'm like what can we do that then you start doing the research yeah we're doing the next thing i know i'm you know my first ultra that year which was the foothills frenzy Mm -hmm. it's awesome but um the point being is that you get all in it unless and i think this is true in life you never arrive there's always going to be suffering, and if you don't have something to shoot for, that's a problem. So running's nice because you can go from 5K to 10K to maybe marathon or trail races or 100 miles or whatever. And when you quit running, you miss it because your body, it's such a good rush for your body. You crave it. Yeah. It's the same thing. I'm still running, not always as much as I want to or can, I don't know that I'll ever not run.
0: How much of that do you think is running and how much of that do you think is just maybe an addiction to being outside?
1: Well, for me it's all about being outside. Yeah. I would never come inside if I didn't have to. It's funny because if you see me at work, you think I'm the you know, most conservative, yuppie kind of dude on the planet, but I'm really a hippie. I just like you're a hippie in disguise shorts and, and no shoes and out in the wild. That's what I love. That's what I live for. So, yeah, and that's what running does for me. It gets me outside, it allows me to see these places. Like no one runs 50 miles for their health. It's arguably bad for your health.
0: I would probably, I don't have any science to back it up, yeah. but I would probably say that I would see it potentially deteriorating your body excessively. And I don't know that for a
1: fact. I'm just, I'm talking out my well, ass. But- well, we see it all the time. The, the, the trade-off is though, I would add, I sh- let me sh- clarify that. Nobody runs 50 miles for their physical health. For their mental health, some people do, and, yeah. it, and it is. And I think if you were to look at um, ultra runners in particular, there is a lot of... I don't want to say mental health is bad, but there's it, I think mood there is, there's help it, that helps a lot of people yeah. with less than you know, ideal moods. I think there's a lot of addiction and there's a lot of mental health issues yeah. in trail and ultra running. Yeah, and if you see... And this is the hard thing is when you see these people, uh, they get injured Mm -hmm. and they won't allow time to heal. Yeah. And they run through and they they cause themselves worse problems because they're addicted. Yeah. It's no different than smoking crack. You know, it's bad for you. It's bad for your health. They still do it. It's like, look, you got to take six weeks off. And I'm... I'm as I'm bad a culprit as yeah. any. We talked about today. My knees tweaked. It's like, but I'm still going running. Yeah, right. No, I'm the
0: same way. So, I had a surgery, yeah. and and right after the surgery, I was out a week later. And you're pushing it quicker than you should. Right. And, and I guess I should reframe what I'm what I was saying is is I think people are attracted to trail and ultra running that have had addiction issues or mental health issues. There's something about. I think maybe it comes back to just it's the place where you slow things down. Yeah. It's it's a place where you can have some control. It's yeah. a place where you can get lost in it and you're not thinking about those other things. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I I would never encourage someone not to run. I think there are incredible mental health aspects. Um, the, uh, the reason I like to be able to run long miles is because it gets me out in nature to see more of nature. For like long like of time. Y- you can, I know you can, you can see more than I can. I like the fact that I can go out, run 20 or 30 miles, see parts of the wild that takes people a week to do and most people will never see right but they got a backpack i can go out and be back to my cooler a beer or you know my campfire or whatever in half a day yeah that's what i love about it and it's
0: funny as we're talking about that about how running these long distances for you know long periods of time throughout your life can be detrimental to your health maybe in some physical component of body breakdown whatever but We still do it. I still do it. I still am driven to do it. It's Even though you know these things, it goes back to you know something, but your actions are a little bit different.
1: Well, let let me ask you this. Okay, so maybe the lesser of the damages, because what would happen if you weren't running? That would be a scary thought, right? Like physically what would happen? You get fat yeah. and then you're going to suffer health issues anyways. Mine would be the mental health side of yeah. things. Is, is I, my
0: mental health without running would deteriorate rapidly?
1: So what's the trade-off? It's like, okay, that's why I, kind of why I say, you know, you sort of have to choose your suffering in life, mm-hmm. right? And I tell the agents like, oh, I don't want to, you know, ask for business from my friends or family or I don't want to talk to strangers. It stresses me out and, it, and it's uncomfortable. It's like, okay, that's choice a that that discomfort is choice a and where does it lead you know Mm -hmm. if, if you're willing to do it it can help you pay your bills it can help them work with someone who cares about them right like you could be of good service and provide good value to those you love um suffering b is stressed about money all the time and not having enough money and not knowing how like you're gonna send your kid to college both of them are stresses and both of them are uncomfortable which one is more productive? Right, right. And I'll even take it a step farther.
0: How are you going to accomplish your goals? Right. You know, if you have these goals to where you want financial independence and you want you know these other things, is what's the trade off? And it kind of comes back to like the finding comfort
1: in discomfort. Right. Well, yeah. So it's like, okay, is running lifting weights? And and I'm sort of going there. I here's the challenge. I love running so much. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for everything and physical like strength is more important at our age. Yeah. And so I really struggle a little bit with I that. Do too. But the, it's like, okay, is it uncomfortable to maybe be a little hungry at times or go without the donuts or to work out physically? Sweat, yes. How uncomfortable is it to be dependent on insulin or diabetic meds or have a heart attack and not be, you know, like either way, you're you're going to have physical pain. Take your pick.
0: I think that's what scares me is the thought of what would I do if I didn't have the ability. And I think once you get to that point where you have the ability to do those things, it's hard to let go. And I think it's so hard as we get older and we see our bodies change and our abilities shift. It's extremely frustrating. And it's how do you maintain the balance? So for me with running, I quit running competitively because for me, I was losing the enjoyment in it. You know, you start having that body breakdown and, and, your body doesn't respond the same way and you no. need to incorporate more rest, but I still struggle with it because like I told you earlier, I got back to focusing on running every day. Right.
1: Your, your body doesn't heal as fast, but... It doesn't and also what I've learned is in the keto, i will call it low inflammation diet, you know, I, I, I don't want people to get caught up on that word keto, but um, when you eat healthy, like at 56, I feel better than in my early 40s. Like I thought... 56-year-olds were like crippled, and most of them are, right? You know, they're overweight, they're having health problems. I still feel great. That's the other thing that I would love to teach people is like, look, getting old um, is a given. Acting old is not. Like, I hope no one ever tells me I act my age, right? And and I have the saying, I want to die young at a very old age. And so a health span is the problem, probably the biggest thing that people overlook. Yeah, we live to 70, 80, I don't know, 72, 74 is the average life expectancy. People die by the time they're 45 inside. They just stop doing stuff and it's sad it it is. Really, And because it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I think they see, like this is what we talked, run from the norm, right? But run from that, get away from it. The norm is put on a bunch of weight, get unhealthy, get on a bunch of meds, just sort of resign yourself to I'm getting old and I can't do what I used to do. And it's like people should not look at the average person. Well, I'm average. It's like who wants have you seen the average American? Do you want to be that? Right? You have a choice not to be that. Like it allows us to be complacent. Well, I'm better than Joe or John or Jim. Right. It's like yeah, but that's kind of maybe not the best bar. Are you? And that's me. People ask me, "Why are you doing this? Why are you getting keto? You don't need to lose weight." I said because it I want to be the best I can be, and I know I'm not there yet. Right, and I think that's the key right there is
0: I think we spend so much time comparing ourselves to everybody else in the age of social media because, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. You scroll through and you see highlight reels and you're comparing yourself to all these other people that have had a completely different set of life experiences to get them to that point instead of turning around and saying, okay. And it goes back to, yeah, the run from the norm thing is everybody's norm is a little bit different. right? But it's not being afraid to embrace change. It's not being afraid to challenge yourself. It's not being afraid to, to say... I want to be better today than I was yesterday or, or moving forward. And then what does it take to do that? What are the habits I need to adopt and what are the right. goals I need to set? And I think that's where a lot of times we struggle is, it, is it's what are the right habits for me, which I think you know, everybody's a little bit different and how do I go about setting actionable goals that I can realistically achieve and right. who do I align
1: myself with to find a mentor or a coach? Yeah, coaches, mentors, accountability partners are awesome.
0: They when tell I you, run they with, point fa- out the truth.
1: When I run with faster people, I get faster. When yeah. I learnt, decided to learn to ski, I skied with good people, right? Because it, it, I got better faster, that kind of thing. Um, I think if everyone were authentic and just stopped treating each other, you know, or dropped ego out of it, I guess. Yeah. I, I think ego is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I, it has been in, in my world. Uh, I see it and I and I deal with it myself. For so much of my life and even now, like all the behavioral assessments, that I'm extremely competitive, right? When I go out and play hockey now or I go running, like it's hard to realize I'm never going to win a race. Like and it's like because in
0: your mind you still
1: can right and you know you, you sometimes you give you an excuse like I did really well coming out of the gate uh, you know at Roby Creek and my first ultra I was never in the the, the top ten percent but I was you know for my age not even for my age actually age is really tough like I swear I this is a funny story I took like fourth in my age class at a race this past summer and I was like four damn it I need to at least get to third and I'm like all right so you go and you look. The other three in my age class were in the top 10 for the race. I'm like, I'll never get <laughs> You got to put it in perspective. Yeah, that's hard. But the, the thing that you've got to be able to accept that to a certain extent, like like, like I kind of want to burden people by knowledge. But for me, what ended up happening is it's okay sometimes not to be the best. Yeah. Um. Nothing for me ruins a run like being in a race, right? Or and the worst is, I don't know if, have you ever done this is... Races are good because it keeps like, it's cold, it's dark out. I got to run because my race is coming up, Yeah, right? Accountability again. But I've, we call it do not show DNS'd, not DNF'd. So many, way too many races because I'm supposed to be tapering. It's beautiful outside. And I just, the Can't night before a, before a race, it's like, I'll go run 24, 25 miles. And it's like that, has so much more joy for me. And, and it's those moments where I can actually, I'm like, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's not about the race. Now the race did its part because it it allowed me to be able to run that far. It gives you the target to shoot. For right. That. Yeah. But man, it I would get no joy in that race because I just, my name's gonna be associated with a time. Throw the watches away, throw the technology away, just go out and enjoy it, you know?
0: So I do want to ask some few final questions yeah. here for one, what is one of the things that you are the most proud of in your life?
1: Oh man, that, that's a tough one. Um, I feel like a lot of times I've never done anything great. Like there's always room for improvement. So I think as humans, we tend to focus on what's bad. Um, I think, you know, raising my daughter, that's one of the things I'm incredibly proud of. Um, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. Oh, it's good. See. That's give a me, good problem a, to have. Give me a second
0: here. Well, then let um, me let me spin this. Yeah. Then I'll give you give you another one.
1: What's the legacy that you want to leave behind? How do you want to be remembered? So probably the mission mission I'm on now, which is you know if I can just help people believe in themselves and and, and help them realize that everyone's struggling and uh, that age is just a number, right? That that I would love to leave a legacy of that. And, and I'm not saying it has to be a huge footprint, but gosh, you know, if if you help 10 people and then they help 10 people and then that goes on. So for me, I think that that's it. And then I'm going to leave my, my daughter behind and hopefully she continues to be a good human. Um, yeah. I mean that, right. Like, like all the races, all the stupid stuff that we've done, all the, doesn't even matter like how many ribbons you get at the end of life it's like I'll tell you what hell is for me and what scares me is is meeting the person I could have been on my deathbed that scares the shit right out, it's like it's like okay and we talked about this today like I said gosh I wish I had taken my advice you know like other people have taken my advice because we're not perfect right. right like it's like oh if I were you I would do this and then they do it and and, and you forget to do it or get distracted that's what's bringing about some change as I get older. And, and it's, dang, you know, I wish I could go back in time and tell my 18 year old self. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good lesson. I hope people listening take this lesson to heart. Man, if I could go back and tell my 18 year old self that, this is what I would tell them. And you sort of brought it up, says, so, well, why don't you know you start doing that now? It's like, well, that's the conclusion I came to. Don't don't make sure you don't get to eighty and need to come back and tell a fifty year old self the same lessons. Right, right. It's like when's the best time to plant a tree? Twenty years ago. Right. When's the next best time today? Yep. Right. Like oh, I would I wish I could go. So many people do this, myself included. You know what? I should have planted that tree twenty years ago, and yet they don't plant one today. Yep. And they're like, dang it, another twenty years went by. I should have planted that tree twenty years ago. Well, plant it today. It's
0: exactly that. We struggle so much to take our own advice, and it's getting out of our own way right. and getting past our own ego to where we realize that it, things don't have to be perfect. You just have
1: to start. It's my favorite saying, and and because I think not, it, throughout life we're always being judged and we're always being ridiculed ridiculed for failures and you know not being perfect or not being right. Um, and and this is one of the biggest concepts I try and teach with agents I'm coaching is done is better than perfect. Yeah. Right. We we think we have to get no. Just go out and start doing it because what happens when you do something and it doesn't go the way you expected? You learn. You learn. Yeah. Right. There's never going to be perfection. Just go out and do stuff. Yep. Right. Like I think probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I would give that I wish I could take, right? And I and I think it's a struggle is, and and you know, a coach would say, well, What's preventing you from taking it? Stop giving a shit what people think about you. 100%. It's none of your business. Yep. What people think about me is none of my business, and it's probably bullshit. Or they're probably not even thinking about you. That's <laughs> what I have to remind myself of.
0: Is is you know every time you think people are thinking about you, they're not. Yeah. They're focused on themselves and their struggles and what they're doing. But I still think you know it's taking that opportunity to hopefully put a little bit of good out there Yeah. for the one, you know, to your point, you said doing something where 10 people get something rather than trying to flood the world. Our kids, I'm a, you know, I'm a father too. And Absolutely. And that's one of the things I look at a lot is as I get older, I want to live by an example and live by the ideals that I've preached. And I think it's the hardest thing in the world for us to take our own advice yeah. and forget about the people that are there paying attention that we're not focused on because we're trying to
1: change the world. Yeah, we care about what other people think of us and and because of that, we aren't the best that we can be and our family suffers, right? Like if you want to create wealth and you're afraid to go knock on doors or, you know, approach people or whatever, it's like you're letting what you think people think of you Prevent your family from financial security, and then it plays into the victim mentality. I can't do it because of this. I can't do because it's well. You can. It's you're living with a limiting belief. Absolutely. Well, and that's it. the The biggest mindset. Ninety percent of life is mindset. Hundred percent. Like, uh, ninety percent. Yeah. (laughs) The other ten percent is mindset too, right? Right. (laughs) Uh, There's actually a good book that I've been reading, and uh, it would be fun to do this as an experiment. Uh, I can't remember if it's. Mark Hansen or David Hansen. It's uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, yeah, Mark.
0: uh, uh, Oh, shit. Now I'm
1: brain farting his name. Anyways, I I haven't finished it all. And, you know, it's a great book. Good stuff to it. Mark Manson. Mark Manson. That's it. Right. It's not that you don't give a a fuck uh, about anything. It's just you choose what you're going to give it about. Right. And so I thought about it would be cool is like I have a little coaster thing that says, a fuck. Right, I got one of them today in my pocket to give. Do I want to waste it on this? That's actually a great right. Thought it's like you know what? where you
0: actually have to think think of it with intention. Is this where I want to focus that that Abs- fuck to give?
1: Absolutely. I don't know if you. And another example of what where this plays out and works is if I go into a running store and I'm just looking around and I have my debit card. Right, like I'm going to find something to buy. Yeah. Put my debit card. But if I go there with a hundred dollar bill. I'm going to walk out of there with nothing because I don't want to spend that $100 bill. It's like,
0: yeah, it's not real. I don't know if you've noticed the same thing but we well, we don't we don't have cash anymore. Right? I, when I would have a bigger bill, I was less likely to spend it, but if yeah. I had ones and fives or t- and tens, man, I would find something to spend it on because like you're saying is I I, it, I didn't care what it was, it's just I'm going to spend it. But that bigger bill, it's like oh, as soon I don't as know. it's broken,
1: it's gone. Exactly. Like I can keep that $100 in my pocket for 2 weeks. Yep. I buy it. $2 item and it's gone in 24 hours yep. on st- stuff. But I was thinking about that, like, you know, like physically, because having it laminated, this is my fuck for the day. Yeah. I only get one. That's a great idea. Is it worth it for this? That's no, great probably idea. not.
0: I think you should act on that. All, All right.
1: Okay. Right. I'm going to ask you
0: two more questions. Yeah, man. What's one question no one has asked you that you'd really like to answer?
1: Oh, man. You know the, the probably I think it goes back to the um, what we talked about on the deathbed is like are you being the best you can be and it's like no I'm not right that's um, a hard thing to admit and so um, and it's funny again because by all outward looks to people probably like my I've got nothing to complain about in life I'm not considerably overweight I'm still healthy I'm not on any meds successful career I am paying my bills you know different things but it's like man no I'm not And, and and I think the biggest fear about that is what gives me the right to help someone with their health if I'm not being the best yeah right and so I think it's like well you know, Tiger Woods golf coach is never going to beat Tiger in, an, in a PGA championship. Like I don't want my daughter to be as good as me. I want her to be better than me. Right. Yeah. I think that that's the one question that I ponder a lot. And, and I don't know how you ever get over that though. Like I don't think you'll ever, you, like you, you never arrive. It's focusing on the journey. Well, I think that's one of the things that maybe I, I hadn't, prepared enough in my world i didn't think i was gonna live this long
0: i didn't you know like
1: i mean we sort of have a similar past in that and just like a little wild the punk scene and just i don't Mm -hmm. know jumping off buildings or you know jump you know climbing up cliffs or whatever you know that sort of thing so um yeah we just we do the best we can and and uh it's almost no. a shock that we made it this far. And now
0: that we yeah. are, it's like, well, God, at some point, I should probably take, you know, yeah. take things a little bit more seriously.
1: Right? And- right? Mm-hmm. The best advice I've ever gotten out of Warren Buffett, and not personally, just from watching him, you would think is financial advice. Um, It was health advice. Really? And he was talking about, if I said to you, tell me what car you want, make and model, year, everything, I'll I'll, I'll give it to you tomorrow as a gift, whatever you want. Doesn't matter. The caveat is, though, is that that's the only car you get for the rest of your life. You never get to have another car. So choose wisely, right? You're going to have to take care of it, change the oil, but that's the only car you get. He says, the good news is you're going to have more than one car. The bad news is why aren't we treating our bodies? Because we only get one body for the rest of our lives and we treat it like crap, right? Right? You know, Why fun. would we treat a car better than our bodies?
0: That's a great question. The funny thing about that I, that sticks with me with Warren Buffett is depending on how the market is, every morning he goes to McDonald's and gets an Egg McMuffin in right. the market, decides whether he gets cheese on it or egg on it, Or and, and every day he also <laughs> right. drinks one Coke. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's, and he's what, 90-some-odd years yeah. old? It's, yeah. It's
1: so funny. Okay, so last question. Breakfast club or fight club? Fight club. Why? 100%. I mean, I just... Not a mellow guy. I I like, like, I have this weird thing. I don't like bullies. I like justice. You know, I I don't, I'm always up for a good fight. It's just always the way I've been. You lean into a challenge. Yeah. You know, you're
0: not, you're not one to shy away from it. It's just give it some thought and then you're diving into the fight.
1: But I mean, my fighting days are over and I often, we talk about getting, aged right and it's like i still have the mouth of of a 20 year old but i can't back <laughs> it up anymore right and so so well you gotta learn to run fast yeah but yeah. i mean i don't know just fight there's club. no doubt fight club
0: okay well i appreciate you taking the time so uh to wrap this up where can people find you online um where can they learn more about you and uh and connect with you
1: probably the best place is instagram uh, it's life by the graham and graham is uh, g-r-a-h a m, so life by the gram. And um they could email me email me if they want to at Graham at and it's g-R-A-H-A-M at G-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E dot com. Yeah, I'm happy to help. Like I'm passionate about this and I appreciate you providing this opportunity. And I'm I'm yeah. super stoked. I love the new logo and the new brand. Thanks, man. I appreciate all the feedback with
0: my craziness of asking you for for input on it. And any final thoughts that you would like to impart uh, to anybody listening?
1: Just reiterate, done is better than perfect. Action cures everything. Catch fire with enthusiasm, and they'll come from miles to watch you burn. Dude, that's awesome.
0: All right, man. It's a great way to end it up.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, Grant.
0: A big thank you to my friend and guest, Graham McKenzie, for joining me on this very first episode of the Run From The Norm podcast. And I would also like to extend my very sincere appreciation to you, the listener, for giving this podcast a chance. In an ongoing effort to improve our content and my hosting abilities, you can send comments and suggestions to me directly at runfromthenorm@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I also encourage you to visit our website, www.runfromthenorm.com for updates on new podcast episodes an online store with t-shirts, hats and other Run From The Norm merch for sale which goes directly to supporting this podcast and a newsletter sign up if you'd like us to notify you when a new podcast is released and with that, our first episode is complete I wish you health and happiness as you continue your journey throughout the day and I hope we have succeeded in our mission to motivate with compassion listen without judgment, inspire with curiosity, one person at a time.
1: Check that mic